0: Uh, Luke chapter number 23, Luke chapter number 23, where we'll be at this morning, Uh, Luke chapter number 23. I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God, if you're physically able to, uh, please stand with me as we read uh, a couple verses of Scripture, starting in verse number 32 of Luke 23. The Bible says, and there was also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. You know, oftentimes we think of Calvary, we think about the cross of Jesus Christ. And we ought to think about it. I I love that old song, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, an embling of suffering and shame. But I'm going to preach a message to you this morning entitled, The Three Crosses on Calvary. The Three Crosses on Calvary. You know, there were two other crosses, and we're going to talk about those this morning. They don't have any spiritual, or they weren't able to save us. Those crosses weren't able to save us, and uh, only the man on the cross in the middle was the one able to save us. But I want to uh, talk to you about those three crosses on Calvary this morning. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to open the Word of God. And Lord, think about that day that you took all my sins upon yourself. Lord, I'm humbled every time that I think about the love you have for me. Lord, may we never forget, Lord, that we were deserving of hell. The death that you took, the sin that was upon you, that was mine. But Lord, I thank you for being willing to take that so that you could offer life everlasting. I thank you that you were buried and rose again, conquering that death and hell and the grave. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, I pray that you encourage us today as we go through your word, Lord, that we'll just rejoice if we're saved here today, we'll rejoice in our salvation. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you've done in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. As we look at these three crosses here on Calvary's Hill, we see one dying for sin. We see one dying to sin, and we see one dying in sin. There's three different crosses. One of them was dying because of my sin and because of your sin. He was dying for the sins of all all humanity. We see another one that was dying to sin, the one that trusted Christ. And then we see one who's dying in his sin, the one who rejected the Lord Jesus. And we're going to talk about these crosses and about what they represent and some things that we can apply in our life today. Last week we preached on three men who made three fatal mistakes. And we talked about uh, Felix and how Felix... Uh, was smote in his heart, and he just said, no, not yet, I'm not ready. When it's a more convenient time for me, uh, then maybe I'll trust him. And then we talked about Festus, who was uh, just criticizing Paul, and he said, oh, much learning hath made thee mad. He said, not ever will I believe in what you're talking about. And then we talked about King Agrippa, who said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And he said, I'm not quite there, but almost. And listen, they all, just because one said, no, not ever, One said, no, not now. One said, almost, thou persuadest me. They all had the same outcome. That outcome was rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That outcome was eternity in a place called hell. And I want to talk about some things this morning about the crosses on Calvary. And my mind goes back, and listen, I don't have to get into deep graphic detail about what Christ did on the cross. Most of you know that. You know that the Bible says in the Book of Isaiah that his visage was so marred that you couldn't even tell that he was a man and all the things that you that he went through for you and I uh, he did all of that stuff, and he was undeserving of it all the the beating and the scourging and the mocking and all of that stuff he did because he loved us. And uh, I love uh, John three sixteen where it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I love this, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I'm glad that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when he was hanging on that cross, we have those three crosses back there, and they're representations of something that we're going to talk about today. That center one is the one that most of us always focus on, and we know that that is the cross first that we're going to talk about today. That's the most important one. Uh, The most important one is about the man who was hanging on that cross. You understand, the cross was made of wood. The cross was uh, two trees put together in the shape of a cross. The cross itself doesn't have power to save. The man on the cross is the one that had the power to save. Uh, there's a lot of people that, are, uh, that, that put emphasis in the cross, and listen, the cross is a wonderful thing, but it was a torturous time. Anybody hanging on a cross was somebody uh, that was uh, supposedly guilty of uh, the, the punishment of death, and that was a torturous thing for them, but the cross didn't have power. It was the man on the cross that had power. You understand that? I can put two pieces of wood here together and fall down and worship that cross till I'm blue in the face, and I'm still not going to go to heaven. But it's the man on the cross. We're going to see, firstly, this first cross represents a cross of redemption. The middle cross, this is the first object that we're going to discuss today. And we want to see what the middle cross represents, and I believe it's a cross of redemption. In this cross, we see the man who's on the cross was the Lord Jesus Christ. This was God... In the flesh. He came to this earth, again, we've read, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to be our example upon this earth. See, the law was brought so that you and I could understand that we were sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, As they saw the law, the Ten Commandments, the law was not there that if they did all of these good works, if they did all of these good things, then they would find favor with God and end up in heaven. The law was written to show man their inability of keeping all that God required for you and I to go to heaven. As I read through the word of God, I look at that I'm just a sinner saved by grace for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I looked at because of my sin, I deserved hell for the wages of sin is death. That's what sin did and what sin earned. All of that stuff is what sin does to me and it does to you because of our sin. We were created first off in the image of God We were created perfect, Adam was, uh, when God made him. He was made perfect just in the image of God, uh, and that's what God intended. But man chose to disobey God. And through his disobedience, the Bible said, by one man's sin, sin entered in the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And as I go down through and I begin to look at the law and all the law that was there, you see the Jews always tried to uh, talk about the law of Moses. And they, they talked about all the law and how we had to keep the law and try to do all these things with the law. And uh, I think they were under, not, not understanding the whole purpose of what the law was for. The law wasn't there to say, oh, if you can have good enough works and do these good things, then you'll be able to go to heaven. No, because the Bible says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us. There's not one person that can do anything amount of good to go to heaven. We can't do it. We can't be good enough to get there. We can't do the right kind of things to get there. Listen, Jesus, by his death on the Roman cross, met every demand that the law had. Every demand the law had, Jesus fulfilled the law. He satisfied the justice of God upon the sin of man. When he hung on that old rugged cross, that death, the wages of sin is death, that satisfied God. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, the Bible said there is no remission of sin, and had the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, not died on the cross, you and I would not have a way to get to heaven. And so I'm glad for Jesus, aren't you? I'm glad that he hung on that cross, that first cross of redemption. The the law was fully satisfied because of that. But love was truly manifested because of that cross of redemption. Not only was the law satisfied, but love was manifested. Look at Isaiah chapter number 53. If you have your Bibles with you, Isaiah chapter number 53. The law represents more than just a payment or a satisfaction of the law. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6. Look what it says. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, the iniquity, my iniquity, your iniquity was laid on Jesus Christ at that time. That shows a whole lot of love, doesn't it? He he came and He he did all of these things because God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus. And I love Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm glad I don't serve a little G God like Allah or a little G God like Buddha or one of these statues and try to work my way into getting to heaven. There was a holy God who loved me and knew there was no way for me to get to where He was. But He loved me in such a way that He desired and He eternity with me and so he made a way for me to get to where he was Jesus on this cross of redemption fulfilled the law by connecting one hand to me and one hand to God and he bridged the gap between sin and sanctification on that day and the law was fully satisfied and the love of God was truly manifested on that day because of the cross of redemption John three sixteen again one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible but for God so loved the world Brother Scott, I asked myself a question one day. I said, God, why didn't you just take the amount of love that you love us? Why did you just say, I so love you? And I began to think and ponder that thing. And what I came to the conclusion through the Holy Spirit's help was this. I can't put enough words on a page to express to you how much I love you. So in John three sixteen, all I can say is, I so love you. I so love you. You understand, if you're in this room today, I don't care how deep you think you've been in sin. I don't care how far you think you've gone. There's a holy God that loves you more than you could ever be loved. He loved you enough to die for you and to fulfill the law so that you could have a way to go to heaven. All the law showed me was that I was not able to get there on my own, but I needed a Savior who could help me get there. And listen, let me encourage you today that if you're not saved, don't try to do enough good works to get to heaven. Don't think, well, as soon as I get some things out of my life, I'll get to God. You understand, when you were born physically into this earth, you were born into a family called the devil's family. Physically, you were born there, and that's your spirit being at that time. But as the Lord told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Not of corruptible seed but of an incorruptible seed. He's talking about a new birth that took place the day I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior where old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new and I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he's talking to me about all these things and the love of God has manifested in my life on that day because he showed me his love and by his love, he draws me to himself. And I begin to think about the love of God in my life and just how he so loves us. Listen, don't ever believe the lie of Satan that you've gone too far for God to reach you. Because the love of God can reach no matter how deep you are. And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen, if you're saved today, he came to save you. Aren't you glad for it? If you're lost today, he came to save you. Satan will try to say, well, you've got to get good enough. You'll never be good enough because the Bible says there's none good but one. And that's God. There's no good work that you and I can do that's going to find uh, uh, heaven's favor because our righteousnesses, the Bible says, are filthy rags unto the Lord. But I'm glad when he looks at me because I've received the gift of salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blood was applied to my account on the day that I received him. I'm glad that when God looks at me in the lens of eternity, he says, Justified sanctified redeemed why because of the blood of the lamb and that's the law was satisfied the love was manifested but it also shows this law this cross of redemption shows me Christ's obedience to the father's will Christ's obedience to the father's will look at verse 46 of our text verse in Luke chapter number 23 Luke chapter number 23. Verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Listen, when he died, he's saying, Father, I'm coming to you. I've done what you want me to do. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Let this cup pass from me. But if not, Not my will, but thine be done. He was being obedient to the Father's will. Complete trust in the Father. He said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know what he's teaching us on the cross by saying that? Listen, he was just as much God in the flesh as he was God before he came to this earth. But the fact of the matter is this. He was showing us this. That you have to have trust in God in order to go to heaven. It's complete trust in him. I'm glad for the promises of God. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. God's promises are amazing. When God tells us something, you can just take it to the bank. It's going to happen. I'm glad that he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise God gave us. It's a promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad for God's promises. They help me along the way. They encourage me as I go. But the cross of redemption was a cross that wasn't just limited to a certain group of people. It wasn't just an elect group that got to go to heaven because God chose out certain people that were above other people. No, it's a whosoever. That's what he said. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that means red and yellow black and white they are precious in his sight i'm glad we have a colorblind god don't you aren't you glad for that listen sometimes we, we allow our own prejudices to stop us from giving the gospel fact of the matter is god loves all of us he died for all men for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god god didn't say well just because this group is a sinner and this group is a sinner i like this group more than i like this group no his love was manifested for all of us And God came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me ask you this question. Who has been lost in this earth? All of us. So if that's who he came to seek and to save, his will, he said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved today. That's God's will for your life, is he wants you to be saved. You say, preacher, only God knows his will for me. And no, God said in his word, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's will for you. It's for you to be saved. If you die and go to hell, you can't blame God because God gave you an opportunity sitting in a church on Files Crossroad on a Sunday morning to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you die and go to hell, it's because you chose to be like one of these other crosses. You say, what are you talking about? There was a cross of redemption. But secondly, there was a cross of rejection. There was a cross of rejection that I want you to see. Look at verse 39 of Luke 23. And the one male factor which hanged, and the one male factor which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. You see the doubt in that man. You see the rejection of who God was? He wanted Christ without the cross. He didn't want to have to see the suffering of what was going on. He didn't want to have to experience the whole fact of the death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But had Jesus Christ not died, he said, save thyself and us. He said, oh, don't die right now. Let's just get us off the cross and do all this. You understand the cross was necessary. Because the death, the wages, the payment, the earning for sin, there's something had to die. That's why when Adam and Eve in the garden, they did wrong against the Lord. They sewed fig leaves together, tried to cover themselves. And God said, no, that's not good enough. Something had to die. Blood had to be shed. And there was a sacrifice made and that blood was applied. And the, the coats that they wore of skin was a picture of something that sacrificed its life for them. God was showing us all the way back from Genesis about the plan of salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. But there was this cross of rejection. He wanted deliverance. This guy was talking about deliverance from judgment. But he didn't want to confess his sins. He didn't want to get himself right. He didn't want to repent. He just wanted God to spare him because... He didn't want to have to go through some pain. He didn't want to have to go through all this. See, escaping hell is more than just going through pain. You understand, God takes our sins, which are deserving of hell. He placed them on his son on the cross. And through Jesus bearing those sins, his shed blood, his dying, taking hell for us, taking the keys of death and hell, rising from the grave, he's able to offer life through death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of those things were necessary for salvation. But this guy hanging on the cross, this cross of rejection, he wanted an easy way. He wanted, oh, well, I don't want all this to have to take place. It had to take place. Or else there wouldn't have been able to be that salvation. He wanted to have righteousness without repentance. He wanted to have God's favor on his life without having to change who he was. Listen, when you get saved, a change takes place in you. You then go from the devil's family to God's family. And the Bible says you're bought with a price. What is that price? Jesus Christ. You understand, he was not the gift for you. Even though God gave his son, he gave his son as a payment. It said the gift of God is what? Eternal life through who? Jesus Christ. Jesus was the payment for the gift. The gift is eternal life that he extends to every one of us. But this guy on the on the one side, he was the, the one that was rejecting him. He's mocking him. He used Satan's favorite word, if. Causing doubt in who the man was on that cross of redemption. He looks at him and said, if thou be Christ. You know what he was saying is, I really don't believe it, but prove it to me. Show me for real that you're God and I'll believe in you. No, it doesn't work that way. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. And Ephesians two eight and nine, for by grace are you saved through faith, not through proof, through faith. Faith is what? Believing in that which in which you do not see, right? That's what faith is. Jesus hanging on the cross looked just like a man, but he was God in the flesh. And he's dying for both of these men. He was dying for all of those that put him on the cross. He was dying for all those that had trusted him already and been following him. He died for the sins of the whole world. And this man saying, hey, listen, if you're really God, show me. Prove it. If thou be the son of God, save thyself and us. You know, there's a lot of people going to die and go to hell because they say, if God, if you're real, you know, if you want me to be saved, let this miracle take place. Let me see some vision in the sky. Let some airplane go by that says, I am God, you know, in these little cloud bubble things behind your airplane and all that stuff. Listen, if you don't have enough faith to believe in a holy God, you can't be saved. You say, why? Because you got to have faith to be saved. Well, does that mean that I can never be saved? Without faith, you can't. You have to have faith in God. Listen, but everybody's capable of having faith. We just have to choose in ourselves to believe in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's more than just saying some words. It's not just some words that you say that get you to heaven. There's a lot of people believe they're on their way to heaven because they said a prayer one day. It's not just a prayer that gets you to heaven. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Words without belief are empty words. You got to have a belief. Those words need to be accompanied by a belief inside of you that, hey, this one named Jesus is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and without Him, there's no way I can go to heaven. He is the only way to get there. By the way, there's a lot of theologians on television that you see that say there are many ways to God. But if you read the Bible in John 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to God but Jesus. You can't get there. Just because you come to church and you're faithful in attendance doesn't mean you're going to heaven. The only way to get to God is through His Son, Jesus. That's it. That cross of redemption. But there was a cross of rejection. If thou be the Son of God. Listen, this man passed out of this life with an awful scene before him of crucifixion. And he's hanging there just like Jesus was hanging there on the cross, but he was still rejecting Christ. He had it offered and delivered to him, and it was right in front of his face, right there next to him. And he rejected it. And that so happens so often as the gospel's presented to somebody, it's right there in front of them. And they say, Yeah, well, if. If that's real, then you know I'll do it some other time, or I'll be like Felix, or like Festus, or I'll be like Agrippa. Almost, you know, one of these days. That's for older people. When I get older, I'll do that kind of stuff. The Bible says life is a vapor; it appears for a little time and vanisheth away. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, there's people that uh, have died at the age of uh, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way up. No matter how old you are, because life isn't in your hands; it's in God's. But God gives you an opportunity to be saved. And if you, if you die without Christ, you're going to spend eternity in an awful place called hell. But if you come, he said, he'll in no wise cast you out. He that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast him out. Listen, he'll still pardon you. He'll still forgive you no matter how deep you've been. Why? Because he loves you so much. He loves you and he died for those sins. Those sins that Satan tells you, are, are too, you're too far gone. You understand, if you read through Isaiah 53, where we just read a verse there, he says, surely he hath borne our griefs and our sorrows. All of those things have been placed upon him, but he bore our iniquities, our sins. All of that stuff Christ already took. He already had it. But Satan makes you believe you have to bear it yourself and do all of this. No, Jesus did it because we weren't able to. And he offers it to you. People say, Well, preacher, that's just too easy. Salvation's just too easy. Listen, you look at that middle cross, let me tell you something it wasn't easy. The hard part was done, you just didn't have to do it. God did it for us. And I'm so glad for that. I'm glad that salvation is a gift, it's a free gift to all of us. You say, Well, what is a gift? A gift is something you don't pay for. A gift is something someone else pays for and gives to you. But a gift can only become yours if you'll receive it. Even though somebody else paid for it, even though somebody wrapped it up just nice for you with your name written on the top of it, that gift is never yours until you take possession of it. And the gift of salvation is the same way. He's willing for all of you to have it, but you've got to take possession of it. But there was a man hanging on one side at a cross of rejection. If thou be, prove it. Listen, God did prove it. He did prove it. His love for us, He came to this earth. He died for you and I. He made a way for us to go back to Him. And it was something that was hard. But something impossible for you and I to do. That He did. And it's, oh, it's easy for you and I because we have to believe it. We get to believe in the finished work that's already been done. You say, well, so what do I have to do for salvation? Believe. Believe. You don't have to do any works to get to heaven. You just have to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. You've got to have belief. So there was a cross of redemption. It satisfied the law. His love was manifested through it. His obedience to the Father's will was shown by it. Then there was a cross of rejection. But I want you to look at verse number 40. <clears throat> but the other answering rebuked him saying dost not thou fear god seeing thou art in the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we received the due reward of our deeds but this man had done nothing amiss and he said unto jesus look what he said what's the next word lord what's he saying What's he say? When he says Lord there, what's he showing? Belief in who Jesus was. He's showing belief in who Jesus was. So there's a cross of reception. One that was receiving Jesus. The act of receiving something, that's what reception means. It's the act of receiving something. It's football season. A lot of people are watching football. When a wide receiver goes out, he's going out for a reception. If they pass it, right? And so, what is that? That's the act of receiving something. The act of receiving a football. Well, salvation is that way. It's the act of receiving. We have to receive it as ourselves. And the one on the acted it. If thou be the son of God, do this. But this one looks at that man and says, "Don't you fear God? See, we're hanging on these crosses justly." We're deserving of the punishment that we're going through. But this man has done nothing wrong. He's hanging there because of us. And he says, Lord, remember me. Remember me when thou, enterest into thy, when thou comest into thy kingdom. I think this cross of reception was there because God wanted to show us that we have to receive it. We have to receive it. See, everything's in the Bible on purpose. God told us about this account in Scripture, not just because He wanted us to see Him hanging on the cross, but He showed us the differences of what men are going to do to the Lamb of God on the cross. They're either going to reject it or they're going to receive it. There is no in-between. You don't float around in purgatory till one of your family members pray you into heaven. If you're saved, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. If you're lost, you're like the the rich man in Luke 16, you open your eyes in torments. That's the only choices we have. And these three crosses, as we look at them, not only do we see the cross in the middle, the one that was there for all of us, it was there for the one on the right. It was there for the one on the left. It was there for all of those standing beneath him, mocking him, doing all of that. That cross in the middle was there for everybody. But the other two crosses represent two different kinds of people. Those that receive Him and those that reject Him. And everybody in this room is on one side or the other. You're either receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you have done that. Or you're on the side where you say, yeah, well, if. God, if you let me live another 10 years, I'll, I'll serve you. Listen, don't play Russian roulette with God. You might wake up in hell too late. The fact of the matter is, God wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to spend eternity there. John 12, 32, he said, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. See, when he was hanging on that cross, Brother Eddie, he was lifted up before everybody. He said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. See, the the that cross of reception was, or that cross of uh in the middle, that cross of redemption was there to show you that he, listen, he's there to draw you into himself. He's saying, Listen, I'm the one taking the sin of all of humanity upon me. The one on this side was saying, Yeah, well, I'm I want to be saved because of I I just I don't want to have to, you know, suffer the consequences of what I'm doing here. If you're the Son of God, don't, don't die, just save us all. Well, the fact of the matter is. Sin has to have a penalty because a holy God has to judge sin. And that that penalty was death. But Jesus took it for us. We were deserving of it. He's hanging on the cross to teach those men a lesson and to teach everybody else a lesson as this. Some are going to reject. Some are going to receive. But you know what? Had the one on the other side as well said, Lord, remember me. Guess what? The same fate would have happened to him as happened to the other one. Because he would have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how much hatred was in his heart towards the circumstance he was going, if he turned with a repentant heart towards the Lord and said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you're the only way for me to get there. You know what God would have saved him to? The only people that die and go to hell is not because God rejected them. It's because they rejected him. There's people burning in hell today, not because of God rejecting them, but because they rejected Him. Listen, don't you be that same type of person. He brought you here today because He wanted you to hear the greatest story that was ever told about a man named Jesus who died on an old rugged tree, who was buried in a borrowed tomb because He wouldn't need it for very long. He went down and in that three days conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose from the grave and now he offers life he can offer eternal life because that death was conquered and he's willing for anyone to receive it so let me ask you this question today are you saved do you know you're going to heaven not because you're a good person not because you've attended church not because you've given money in the offering not because you think that oh well i do good to other people but because you have by faith trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only way to get to heaven. But maybe you're here today and you're not saved. Maybe you're here and you're not saved and you say, Preacher, I need to be saved. That's the way to get saved. But if you are saved, you know why God has us here? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what my job is and what your job is? You say, well, you're the pastor. You ought to be telling people about Jesus. Well, guess what? You're his child. You know what he tells you to do? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Amen. You know what he tells us to do? Be soul winners. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them about that cross of redemption so that they have the opportunity to receive him. You know what else he wants us to do? Pray without ceasing. You know what else he wants us to do? Live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. All these things he tells, and he says it's your reasonable service. He tells us not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do we renew our mind? Is Philippians 2? We let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Where does that come from? The Word of God. You know, I'm incapable of the mind of Christ without the Word of God. And you're incapable of the mind of Christ without the word of God. Because from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, you see the mind of God. And you know what he's saying? Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. I want a fellowship with you. I love you. I care for you. I want to be part of what's going on in your life. But you've got to receive me by faith. With heads bowed, eyes closed.